All right, so the title for tonight's message is Love Prevails. I've noticed that my titles sometimes are like on point and sometimes they have nothing to do with anything, so don't put too much stock in that. But we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 5. So just kind of a recap on where we've been and what we're doing, right? So we've talked a lot about the law versus grace or basically the gospel outside the law that's what the first part of galatians is all about right and so we've transitions from there to the last couple of weeks we've been talking okay what is the gospel the simplicity of the gospel and finally what should the gospel do to our lives what does accepting the gospel mean for us right what comes with that and so that's kind of that's kind of how we we end galatians more or less and so we've talked about how it allows us to love God and how it allows us to love others, being faithful and, and being servants. We've talked about how it gives it, how accepting the gospel gives us the Holy Spirit and that we can choose to walk in him rather than the flesh. And then all these things are byproducts of accepting the message of Christ and letting him work in our lives. So tonight, we're going to pick up that theme on what the love of God means in our life and how it leads us to actually being the church, right? To being this one body, more or less. Yeah. All right. Verses one through five, Paul writes, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. All right. <clears throat> So the first part of this, that first verse, let me just read it again. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. You know, that's a big deal. Really. Like, there's a lot of weight in that first verse that, dealing with so many people I see, right? And it's a big deal. This is a real issue because do people in the church sin? No. Not the church people. No, man. Like, people in the church sin, right? Are any of us perfect? Anybody in here sinless? You're pretty, okay, so you're getting there, right? Not, anyways. So we all screw up, right? So this is an issue. Now, 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? If we say we have no sin, you lying, dog. That's the Darren Miller translation. Busted it out, okay? And it's pretty funny, you know, I was, uh, there's a thing that's called CSI. We do it every year. And it's actually run by the job corps now. And, you know, people all over Kerr County, they gather together at Shriner, 
they break up into groups, and they go and they serve homeowners in the community, right? Homeowners who are disabled or elderly or whatever, they help them out. And I was over, I think, like five projects this year. So I'd go out, hey, how y'all doing? And I took little bags with a little book of John, you know? And uh, <laughs> I was talking to this one lady, you know, and she's like 80 or 90 years old, you know, poor, this little frail old woman with oxygen chain on. She's so sweet. And all these people are cleaning her house. And, and so I give her my, my testimony, you know, my story, God's story. And at the end, I tell her, you know, like, here's the gospel. Like, Jesus will forgive you of your sins if you just confess them. And, you know, do you want to do that right now? She's like, well, no, I'm good because, I mean, I don't really have any. And I'm looking at this 80-year-old, 80 80, 90-year-old woman like, you don't have any? Like, how long have you been alive? <laughs> you know? But it's, no, I don't, I don't have any of those. I'm good. That's what she told me. And if I could have written down all the thoughts that went through my head from that comment. Anyways. But nobody can really say that, right? That's my point. Nobody can say that, and we know that. We know that. Just in case you didn't, the Bible says that too. So, But sin is still a problem, right? Like, it's not okay. There's never a point that sin is just okay. It causes, it causes destruction in our lives. Uh, Zach and I were just talking earlier about you know, the ways we've walked and the things we've done in our life and looking back on it and being like, man, like, what the heck was I doing, you know? And when you see people doing things that, you know, you used to do and you're like, man, like, look at that guy. And you're like, oh, wait, that used to be me. <laughs> like, that's an eye opener. But sin is still a problem because we're talking about a holy and a perfect God, right? And I, I stress that a lot, that God is a holy, he's perfect, he's a judge, but he's also our father. He's also our father, and that's equally as important because while sin is an issue, the fact that he's our father means he wants us to walk in blessing, right? He wants us to fulfill our purpose. He wants us to walk in, in the fullness of joy and all those things, those fruits of the spirit that we talked about two weeks ago, that's what God wants for us as a constant, as a constant, the only thing that gets in the way of that is us. But God's a good father. And all things that are the fathers belong to the heirs, and that's us, okay? But sin is still a problem. We can't walk in it. As Christians, we should be dead to it. Its power is broken. Here's the thing. Sin has no power in our life. That means every time that we walk down that road, whatever road that is, it has to persuade us into it. Did you know that? Did you, have you realized that? Like, Satan is constantly, constantly, constantly persuading us to walk out of this kingdom of light and just try and put our foot back under the darkness a little bit, right? Just a little, just a little step. But that's all it is, is persuasion. That's it. He can't force our hand. He can't make us walk in that, right? It's our choice. But here's the thing. Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew 26, 41, he's about to go to the cross. He's about to give up his life. Here's Peter. Peter had already told him, like, yo, man, I don't care if everybody else leaves you, not me, right? I'll die for you. I'll die for you. And Jesus is like, dude, before the rooster crows, like, you're going to deny me three times. 
And so he's in the, he's in the garden, he's praying, and, and he's fervent before the Lord, and, well, he is the Lord, but, uh, and he's, you know, sweating great drops of blood, and he tells his disciples in, in chapter 26, verse 41, he gives them something very, very simple. He says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. He, look at this. He says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that is like, <laughs> that is the life reality of everybody in this room. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We've got to watch and we've got to pray, right? Because we fall, and I know, I think, I think staring into, staring into your failures is probably one of the realest parts of a Christian life. I don't think it should be. Definitely should not be. But for me, it has been. You know, a, a, lot of, a lot of staring into, man, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I walked in that. You know, and falling, it's a, real, it's a reality. We get caught, we, we're, we find ourselves weak in the spirit, we find ourselves distracted in the world, we fall, we stumble, we trip up our lives. But First John, once again, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the uh, propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the whole world. You know, and everybody in the room should memorize those verses. Maybe not verbatim, but you should at least know the gist of that, right? Because those verses right there, that is like the foundation of your whole life. That's it. Jesus is our advocate. He's our, our Lord, our Savior, right? And he gave himself up as the substitute for our sins and for the whole world. But here's the deal. Here's where, here's where we're going to start picking up a little bit of momentum in, in, in this sermon and what I'm trying to get at, right? How many of you believe that's true? Jesus paid it, right? A lot of you don't? Well, okay, whatever. No, I know y'all are just lazy. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but we know that's true, right? I'm not telling you anything new, am I? But here's the deal, guys. We don't always feel. Someone, someone give me the little quotey fingers. We don't always feel. Every time I say that for the next minute, I want you all to make those fingers. We got a deal? We don't always feel forgiven, right? We don't. You know, there are times we feel broken. No, you don't have to do the fingers for broken. <laughs> there are times we feel broken, we feel useless, we feel like we failed, right? Like there's no way back. And, sta and Satan just stands there and is like, Shh, look at you now. Look at you now. You're nothing. That's what he tells me. But here's the thing, guys. God's truth, what Jesus did on that cross, it's not based on our feelings. There we go. God's truth is not based on how we feel. Your value, you don't got to do it anymore, it's okay. 
Your value in Christ is not based on your feelings. Okay? I want you all to get that. God's compassion is mercy. Those things don't change because we mess up. And it's, it's so crazy. You know, I was talking to someone just this week. Some of y'all probably know who I'm talking about. Someone who's, who's in this right now, in this not feeling so hot. And it made me think, you know, we'll, as Christians, we're willing to sit around in a small group for hours. Think about this. For hours and talk about how God's salvation doesn't depend on anything we do. It's a free gift, right? That his mercy, that his goodness, it doesn't depend on anything we do. We can never work our way to heaven. We can never be good enough. And then we mess up and we fall. And we're like, man, it's over. Like I'm nothing. Like suddenly, suddenly God's character depends on us. I'm sorry, none of y'all are that influential on the universe, okay? I apologize. Sorry to burst your bubble. Like, your actions don't change who God is. And your actions don't change the work on the cross. They don't, (laughs) my actions aren't stronger than the blood of Jesus. And that's something that's important, man. That's something I think I touched on a couple of weeks ago. But I think I need to touch on more because we got a brother right now who's dealing with that. Who's dealing with, and I had this conversation with him like, a couple months ago, bro, if, if this was someone else, you'd be telling them the same thing. Right? But it's hard. Why? Because Satan, he uses our feelings. What a pitiful thing. Feelings. God. I feel sorry for y'all women. Y'all got a double dose of that. Mm. Man. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get stabbed later. I already know it. But so what do we do, though? What do we do for reals, though? Because this is a real issue. Ha- who in here is willing to raise their hand and say they know what I'm talking about? They felt this. The women, ra- see, they raise their hand quick. I'm telling you. <laughs> this is a real issue, right? This is... This isn't church, the fancy church talk. This is just real. So what do we do? Let me ask you, when you're down, when you're stuck in your feelings, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when you feel like guilt and shame are just turning your face away from God's glory, what do you do? It's rhetorical, my friend. We got small group for it. It's okay. Thank you. Right? Or what about, what about when someone we know, when they fall, when they turn their face from God's presence? What do we do? It's a very simple solution. The church. That should be, partially, that should be what lifts us out of that, the church. You know, I think, I think the church should like, it should be a noun, but it should be a verb. Like, we should just make church a verb. Like, man, oh my gosh, this is cool. All this happened is crazy. What are we going to do? Just be like, we're going to church, bro, right now. Church should be a verb. Like, when you look up church in the dictionary, you should have noun. Like, I don't even know what, how they would define that. I don't know. But there should be a noun, and there should be a, a second definition, and it should be a verb. And uh, I don't even know where I'm on. This doesn't matter. 
and there should just be like all these pictures of like small groups and like people hugging and crying and like homeless people being fed and should be a verb. We're going to copyright that. Make some t-shirts. I like it. Okay. But that's what Jesus meant when he said, <laughs> you know, you know what Jesus's message really was? Can anybody tell me? When he started preaching, when he started proclaiming, what was his message? Anybody? You don't count. Repent. Why? For the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't say, and I'm not saying these things aren't true. These, these, these things that I'm going to say are true. He didn't say repent for your individual salvation. Right? Repent and live a great life. No, no. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I want you all to think about that because the kingdom of God, this isn't just something that's going to come one day and be established like we're waiting for it. Right? Like, and it's not just about, well, I'm saved, so I'm in the kingdom, like metaphorically, like, no, 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 no. Christ came to bring a kingdom here with his rule, with his power, with his people, as one body of citizens, as one kingdom people interlaced together. Interlaced together, right? People where it's the, the poor in spirit that inherit the kingdom. People, or I mean, a, a kingdom where when people mourn, they're comforted. We're meant to be in this kingdom and we're meant to build it together. Again, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. What he's saying is, is we have to lift each other up, right? First of all, it's probably good to be pulling each other away from sin. Okay, so if you're not doing that, it's a good idea. But we're also called to pull each other out of it, right? But we have to do it in a way, we have to be encouraging in a way where we don't allow Satan to use our emotions against us. And we have to do it in a way where we don't allow Satan to use the other person's emotions against them, right? That's why he says, restore such a one in gentleness. Because when people are down and out, who here has been down and out in like the last month or two for any about anything? Okay, one, two, just, okay. Let me ask you something. When you're down and out and you're feeling like junk, how much help do you need from me feeling that way? Need my help feeling any worse? Sorry about that. <laughs> See, this is why these questions are rhetorical. <laughs> Sorry about that. We, we, we can talk about that later. Okay, well, well, there's a good example then. So that'll play into what we're talking about. Okay. Point is, he didn't need me making him feel any worse, okay? However I did, but I'm going to hope it was a good thing. It's probably not. But people, they don't need us, you know, pointing a finger in their face, saying, well, if you don't, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, X, Y, and Z. Or you're such a piece of da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you need to straighten up. How motivating is that, right? I don't get too motivated for that. I had a dad like that when I worked. If, if anybody ever needs a job, don't work with my dad. 
Great guy, bad boss. <laughs> Anyways. We got we to gotta restore people in gentleness and in a spiritual way. Because when people are beaten up, they're sensitive, right? But also, what if the person isn't so beaten up about their lifestyle? Actually, that's probably more prevalent. prevalent. When people aren't so beaten up, they're probably enjoying their lifestyle. Check this out. What if, um, <laughs> let's say me and Travis are working together, right? And we're building this wall. And this whole wall is just jacked. Like, we got boards like this, and there's just, like, holes, and everything's cut wrong. Okay? So I have to go and tell him, hey, dude, you did this wrong, and we got we to gotta fix it. Right? So if I walk up to Travis and I say, dude, what the heck? Look at that. That's junk. You know, blah, blah, blah. That's not straight. That's not straight. This all has to be fixed. Great. Great. Well, now we got to do this all over again. Is what I said true? So it's fine, right? Mm, how do you think he's going to take that? Not so great. But it was true, wasn't it? It was true, wasn't it? Probably not, right? And did I actually help him? Let's say, let's say I addressed him like that. And what I'm saying is true. And we go and fix the wall. Or let's say, like most people, I go fix the wall myself. Did he benefit from that at all? Not so much, right? But what if I say, hey, man, like, I know you tried really hard to fix this wall. But, man, there's some, there's some real issues here we got to deal with. You know, there's some, there's some cracks we got to fill. And, you know, we're going to have to rebuild this all over again, but it's okay. And, in fact, if you let me, man, I'll come show you. I'll come help you, and we can do this better. Is it just still true? How do you think he's going to take that? A little better, huh? Unless he just really doesn't like me, doesn't want to work, but that's a different story. <laughs> Dang, bro. <laughs> you need to calm down. All right. So people in the church sin, right? And we're called to restore one another in gentleness because the outcome should always be restoration, right? not condemnation. And I don't really feel like, I don't really know anybody here that really has a problem with that, I don't think, but I don't know. But our, our outcome for people should always be restoration, not condemnation. Why? Because that's Satan's job. Let him, let him deal with that. You know, we're children of the king here. I've been listening to this guy, Todd White, and I love the fact that one of the things he always, the way he always describes himself is, he just says, I'm just, I'm just representing Jesus. That's his thing. Like, I'm just representing Jesus. And I love that, because that's what we're here to do. We are here to be representations of Jesus Christ, right? And because of that, we are in the business of reconciliation. But we also have to watch ourselves, right? Here's the thing. I'm going to just step away from this for a second. There's two main issues when, when you, we know somebody and they're, and they're going through things and we're trying to, trying to help them. There's two main issues we got to watch out for, right? It says, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. But I want to I make the point that the first thing that we have to watch out for hey, brother, is the way, is our own heart, right? Because if I have an issue with Travis, 
and I go with him, and again, if I have something very true to say, but it's fueled in anger, or it's fueled in judgment, man, I'm already walking in sin. I didn't even need to be tempted. So the first thing we have to be careful is we have to check our own hearts. The second thing, however, is literally being drawn into that. And it's so crazy. I've told you the story before about working at Ingram and, and my buddy saying, hey, there's this great message about anger on. You need to come listen to it. And I'm like, I don't have a problem with anger. And then like 60 seconds later, I walk outside and my boss starts yelling at me and I snap. And I had to turn around and walk the other direction. Because if my mouth would have opened, it would have been bad. What did I say 60 seconds before? I don't have a problem with anger. And I don't. But I did that day. The second thing is it's, it's, it's always so interesting how Satan will use other people's problems. You Suddenly you're talking about alcohol. Suddenly you're talking about drugs. Suddenly t- you're talking about pornography. Suddenly you're talking about X, Y, and Z. And these things that you would say, oh, I don't even have an issue with that. Just because you're there trying to pull someone else out of that, now Satan brings that up in your mind, and it's a temptation you haven't had in maybe years. And it is there. And we have to be very, very aware of that. Because here's the thing, guys, and I'll probably never stop talking about these things because the Bible only, what, has eight things to say? The Bible says the same thing over and over and over again, really. And one of those things that it makes pretty clear is this is a spiritual war. For real, this is a spiritual war. Like, we're just like, you know, church group and pizza. Like, good guys, bad guys, go home, call it a day. Man, the enemy is plotting. They are tactical, and they work things together for purpose. I'll tell you what. You think, the Bible says God works all things together for the good. Satan works all things together for your destruction. Seriously. And just uh, recently, I was at someone's house, and they were in a bad spot. And I left the house depressed. Straight up. I left the house feeling like junk. And so I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. And by the time I get home, I feel great. But I call my buddy up later, and I'm like, hey, man, um, look, dude, you need to be careful. You need to be praying for yourself, okay? Because I, felt a sp- I just felt the spiritual attack come on me. You know, I felt depressed. And he's like, dude, because there was like three or four people with us. He's like, dude, the other guys with me said the same thing. I'm like, I know. That's why I'm calling you. That's why I'm calling you. You know, and that's the thing. We can walk into a situation, and Satan will follow you home. That is a real reality, Okay. Anytime you are suddenly angry, suddenly anxious, suddenly worried, suddenly depressed out of nowhere for no reason, I would say that's probably a spiritual attack. And when it happens to me, I text two people, I say, pray for me. And by the time I'm done praying, and by the time I get the text back, I have literally filled it, leave like that. Literally. This is not, you know some sort of spiritual lofty thing. This is real, guys. This is real. So consider yourself lest you be tempted, lest you be pulled into that. Because this is what the church looks like. This is what the love of God in our lives looks like. That's why it says here in verse 2, he goes on to say, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let me ask you something. What is the law of Christ, in a nutshell? This one you can answer, guys. Go for it. 
What is the law of Christ? Love your neighbor. Okay, close enough. Okay, so the greatest two commandments is love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Not particularly in that order. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? That is, that is more or less, that's the law of Christ. Okay? Love God. Love. What does it mean to bear one another's burdens? Why would we, why would we want to do that? Who wants to say, oh, man, that guy, he's having a really h- h- tough time. Let's just go have a tough time with him. Like, whose agenda did that pop up on? Other than Jesus's. No one's. But you know what that's called? That's called love. To have a focused concern with someone else outside of your own. That's, that's just love. That's the way Jesus loved us. He didn't just leave us here in this mess of sin and death. Right? He didn't just leave us to walk the life we wanted. No, no, no. He carried our cross for us. And that's both literal and figurative. Suckers. He carried our cross for us. Why do we take offerings? Why do we give out to the poor? Why do we, why do we have times of, of uh, praises and, and prayer requests? Is it because that's just, I'm a pastor, and so I just, you know, it's kind of what's on the schedule to do? Not for me. Not for me. This is a time where we can bear each other's burdens. Right? Where we can walk with one another through these struggles. I was preaching for Sergio um, Sunday night, and I was preaching about spiritual gifts. And in Galatians, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about how we we each have an individual gift, and, and God is with us. And then it says that, so all the members of the body, talks about how we're all one body, all the members should have the same care for one another. The same care. Not the pastor should have the care, the elders and the deacons should. All the members should have the same care for one another. That's what love is. We're called to bear one another's burdens, right? But we have to do so in a way that doesn't pull us into sin as well. Verses, uh, Verse 3, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let's just read through. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. You know, anytime we, we begin to think we have it all together, Anytime we begin to think, well, because of this or that, I'm really better than this guy. Or anytime we begin to believe, here's one, and I hear this a lot, that we're too good to fall. Like somehow we have become too Christian. Or like, oh, that temptation, that can't, that can't tempt me. What? Didn't, I think it was Pastor Mark said that he, I don't know if it was another pastor, somebody told him, that they did not sin. They couldn't. They were just, they were good. They were on like Holy Spirit super high or something. I don't know. But they, shh, sin. <laughs> nah, dog. Oh, he made mistakes, but he didn't sin. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a, I better remember that. That's called being deceived, Right? 
we got to keep our eyes on Christ. Here's the thing that we're going we're gonna to wrap up into is as soon as we have our eyes on ourselves and our own goodness and our own works, what's that called? Pride. What comes before? What, what, what does pride come before? The fall, right? Like I'm 6'1". I'm not that tall, but it's still a six-foot fall, and that sucks. That wasn't, I'm sorry. Anyways, that's all I got right now. We got to have our eyes on Christ, right? There's this thing, another thing that uh, Todd White was saying that I really love is, uh, you know, God never, God never told us to seek stuff. God never told us to seek this house or that house or this career or like some sort of, you watch your mouth. <laughs> Not funny. <laughs> that was funny. Anyways, God never told us to seek these things. God told us to seek him first. He said, just seek me. Seek first the kingdom, and I'll add all those things. Right? When we keep our eyes on God, we build an intimacy. All these things that we talk about every Wednesday, all these things about walking in the spirit and don't do this, and yes, do this, and like be better at this, none of that happens without an intimacy on God. Right? And as we're dealing with people like we've been talking about, one of the things to do is you, we can start comparing ourselves. And when we see people fall, we start to lift ourselves up. He says, when someone thinks themselves to be something, when they are nothing. Nothing. Like at the end of the day, we all dirt. At least the women, at least they came from a rib. <laughs> like we just dirt, guys. Like we ain't got nothing. <laughs> Anyways. We, gotta, we have to seek God's presence. We have to know his love for ourselves. And we have to let that extend out from us, right? We have to literally be his body. Because here's the thing. He says, let each one examine his own work. Then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another's. For each one shall bear his own load. Here's the thing. God has given you your own blessings and your own purpose, right? We don't have to compare ourselves to another, okay? It's very easy to say, well, I mean, look at that person. Look at what God's doing for them. How come God's not doing that for me? Oh, I heard, you know, this person, he went and he prayed and someone got healed. How come God doesn't do that for me? Right? Or, you know, like, I don't know, whatever. However y'all compare yourselves. I don't even have a good example. It's not good. You know, Mark Twain said, everybody, does anybody here, who here doesn't know who Mark Twain is? Raise your hand. You can raise your hand, it's okay. Okay, I was about to be ashamed of some people. Except for you. You're like young or something. So, Mark Twain said that comparison, what did Mark say? Comparison is what? The, the death of joy. Comparison is the death of joy. And you know that's so true. Especially like when I was younger and in high school and things, I'd get something and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like look at this. This is amazing. Ah. And then I'd see someone else and they'd have something better. I'd be like, man, this sucks. Like, what am I doing with this? I'll be looking at theirs. And then I'm like, you know, I was perfectly fine before that. God has amazing things for us. And you know what? My ministry, guess what? It's going to be different than what God does in your life. You know what? Pastor Mark is a, he's a pastor, right? Are our ministries going to be the same? No. Oh, we're both pastors. 
God's plan is unique, man, and it's unique for you. And we can't let Satan, again, this is all just Satan trying to use our feelings against us. We can't let Satan get our eyes off of Christ and put it on ourselves. In the same way, right? <clears throat> Where'd he go? Yeah. When we, can, when we can keep our eyes on Christ and we can just be thankful for what God is doing in our life, the things he's seen us, when we can, when we can look at other people, rather, rather they're doing well or they're, Man, they're down here in the gutter. And we can just learn to see them the way God sees them. When we can let God's love influence the way we look at others. When we can let God's love be what drives us to act. When it's God's love that has us extend our hands. And not a rule book. Then we can rejoice in our own work. That's when we get, begin to walk in victory. Because everything comes down to this, guys. Love God and love your neighbor. But it has to be in that order. You have to experience that love of God for yourself. You have to experience every day, right? The only thing that fulfills the law, the only thing that keeps us walking in the spirit, that's able to help us restore others to reach out, the only thing that makes any of that worth anything is the never-changing and the never-failing love of Jesus Christ. And it's something we have to experience for ourselves every single day. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight, Lord. And uh, I know there are people here in this room who have reached out to loved ones and tried to restore them. And Father God, and uh, feel like they haven't been successful or let Satan stir up their emotions, but Father God, just give us comfort knowing that nothing's a surprise to you, Lord. Nothing's a surprise to you. You work everything together for the good. And Father God, many times we, we catch ourselves comparing ourselves to others or, or thinking we have to do this or this to really, be, to really be something. And Father God, that's not true. Lord, you're <laughs> in your love, Father God, you made us exactly who we are, and you made us for a purpose. So, Father God, I ask that you help everyone here uh, see that, Father. And I ask that this week that you would help us uh, seek you, Father God, in a way where your love just really fills our lives. Where we get to, to see people in a new way, Father God. Where we're eager, we're eager to extend our hands and help each other and hold each other up as the church, Father God, as one body. And so, Lord, I thank you for, for all that you've done in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.